This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah Jazz basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome everyone into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. My name is Andy Larson. I'm the managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com. We are the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Spencer Hall joins me this week on the show. Ben Dowsett is out, but the, the founder of Salt City Hoops, we're happy to have him on the show. Um, you know, I, I'm just, he's, he's the one that made this all possible, so we're, we're thanking him by having him on. And, you know, he's good on radio, too. <laughs> it's good to be here. Uh. We've had a, an amazing day of NBA action today. Not NBA action, NBA offseason <laughs> no, melodrama. This, this is the real action. This is, where the, this is the reason why the NBA summer is better than the NBA season. We've, <laughs> we've veered into actual uh, news news, hard news today, where an NBA player has been held hostage in his own home. <laughs> yes, like, this, is, this is really what's happening now. We, we were going to lead off with the Jazz Summer League and all that. Uh, but but really, it's about the DeAndre Jordan saga right now. I mean, this is this is the perfect example of a, of a 24-hour news story where just like each new piece of information that comes in is is better than the last. <laughs> and, and you know, because it's it's basketball, it's it's not like the hard news that you and I sometimes work with at, at KSL. It's it's still joyfully fun for all of us to watch. This is we'll give a quick recap of it, but then yeah. I want to say this is what makes the league so much fun. Okay. So earlier in this in this NBA moratorium in the free agency period DeAndre Jordan had agreed to terms with the Dallas Mavericks. It was a big contract. It was 4 years, 80 million dollars. Uh that's a lot of money to pay for DeAndre Jordan, but the Mavericks were willing to do it. Cool. Just like millions, okay, not millions. Hundreds of other players have done this free agency period. A player agreed to terms with another team. Everything was good. They can't technically officially sign that deal though until tomorrow or actually i should say tonight at midnight eastern time that's 10 o'clock mountain time deandre so, so jordan, it's not though, a done deal until it's a done deal right which but, is so strange in the nba you can wheel and deal you just can't sign the deal right yeah it's everything is verbal at this point uh so deandre jordan though has had some second thoughts since signing that i believe it's either on the third or the fourth uh and basically decided, no, you know, I want to stay in L.A. with my with Chris Paul, Blake, Blake Griffin, Doc Rivers, maybe go chase a championship in L.A. And, and quite frankly, I don't blame him. You know, I, I think he the L.A. Options. situation is, is better than the Dallas situation for him. Uh, you know, especially having a point guard to set up his offense. That's the kind of player he play he needs on the offense end. But OK, sure. You, fine. I I all, Usually, he need, all he needs is somebody throwing him lobs, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, uh, can Devin Harris do that? I'm less confident in Devin Harris's ability. I could, to I do could that throw a lob up to, <laughs> to DeAndre Jordan. I've seen some of Delvadova's lobs from the finals, and they they, they have subpar? convinced me that they that lobbing is not as easy as it looks. Interesting. Okay. Um, and some of Dante Exum's lobs to Rudy Gobert, by the way, <laughs> last year true. were like. Rudy Gobert is a very tall and athletic man, but he is not yet nine feet tall. That's true. There's a zip so, code requirement. Right. <laughs> you need to keep it in a general vicinity. So having Chris Paul helps on, on the same team as DeAndre Jordan. Anyway, still, this is a very unusual move for him to change his mind now on this. Uh, and really, Hito Turkoglu did it back in the, in the day. 
And that's really kind of the only example where this has ever happened before. And, and never in the what example. What about Boozer? Carlos, so Carlos Boozer had agreed in Cleveland. In, I guess, in, again, verbally. But this wasn't during the free agency period. You know, this has kind oh, of been I set see. up with machinations beforehand. I see. Boozer's un- backroom deal didn't happen during the, the right. free agency moratorium. And, and in particular, it couldn't be kind of reported and et cetera, et cetera, because uh, that deal would have been it illegal. I see. It couldn't have ex- existed. That's the great conundrum with the Boozer metaphorically stabbing a blind man in the back. Yes. Is he, that the the blind man was willing to turn? The blind man was the owner of the Cavaliers at the time. Yes, and um, yeah. I mean, so basically, it's a different situation. <laughs> uh, I would say that this one is is unique. Um, so anyway, but you know, maybe you get a chance to change your mind because of this moratorium. So uh, the 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 race is on, if you will, between the Clippers and the Mavericks as to who's going to actually get DeAndre Jordan's signature at nine o'clock tonight. Some updates on what's going on on social media. Chandler Parsons tweeted a plane emoji earlier today that, that it uh, said that, you know, I'm flying to Houston where DeAndre Jordan's home is and where all these meetings are taking place. Meanwhile, J.J. Reddick countered by saying, I'm getting in my car and <laughs> using the little car emoji tweet and driving from his home in Austin, Texas to Houston to meet with DeAndre Jordan. Uh, Blake Griffin tweeted a helicopter because he's in, I think, Kauai right now. And I don't know if he's actually flying out to Houston. Wanted to get in the tweet battle. Chris Paul won the, won the day, in my opinion, by tweeting a picture, uh, an emoji of a banana boat and or banana and then a boat emoji referencing his infamous banana boat picture from yesterday, which <laughs> shows him, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James on a banana boat being tied behind or towed behind a, an actual boat, <laughs> which a that those guys are hanging out in the offseason is hilarious in its own right. But B, then, then he's self-aware enough to reference it, and during this emoji battle is great. <laughs> but that's not all from the no, emoji no, standpoint. No, more. Then Kobe Bryant got into the game, and uh, in his Kobe way, you know, tweeted some five championship trophies, get, get in, make the rings <laughs> complaint, and get out. That's, right. that's what he does. That's, that's Kobe Bryant. And then Roger Federer, you know, I not, that, not I even I love a, that Roger Federer, somehow Roger Federer gets into this mix. By the way, has a semifinal in Wimbledon tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, is at Wimbledon, but, you know, he, he still feels the need to, to you know, chime in. Why he's uh, the best. <laughs> said that, that Kobe is actually should be the emoji master. He should have brought more to the game because, after all, his name can be spelled Co with a B emoji and Bri with an ant emoji. Like... <laughs> All of this is this is insane. So the emoji battle has taken place. Now the battle of actually convincing DeAndre Jordan in person is taking place. Well, there's one other emoji that I think is important. Okay, th- yeah, please. Paul Pierce, the old oh, man. Oh, yes, thank you. The old man in the league. The oldest man, old man Winter, been in the league since 1996. 37-year-old yeah, Paul Pierce. 300 years old. <laughs> and he gets in the game, but he doesn't know how to use emoji. So what happens? Right, so he does the Google image search for a rocket <laughs> emoji. He's like, oh, transportation emoji. I get where people are going. The plane, the car, the helicopter, boats. Sure, I'll, I'll rocket ship. He's in Houston, after all. It works perfect. Google's rocket emoji copies and pastes the JPEG into his tweet and then tweets that, which is just... Which is, first of all, not his team. He's, he's recommending the wrong team. No, but he's recommending that, uh, you know, that whatever it takes to get to Houston, he'll right. be there. But. Right, right, right. Still, he's got poorly, his heart in the right place. But yeah, but a, a pixelated <laughs> JPEG rather than an emoji. It's a perfect example of like your 
your father trying to use technology. And it's like, right. uh, you know, he's trying to be hip with the crowd. He's, he hangs out with the young kids. He hangs out with Chris Paul. And, you know, like he knows how to use mom, emoji. Like asking about Twitter. Exactly. But doesn't really know how to use it yet, which is great. <laughs> he, there, was a, there was an article on SB Nation earlier today just kind of compiling then all the times where Paul Pierce has used technology poorly. Oh, nice. <laughs> like, instead of sharing his own Instagram photos, he'll actually share the screenshot of his own Instagram account on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, you know, stuff like that. Where it's just like instead of inviting people to his event on Twitter, he'll take the screenshot of the Facebook <laughs> notification that he got of of his own event and tweet it out. Anyway, so that was great. Like uh, old grandpa Paul Pierce <laughs> playing his role. Uh, anyway. And then finally, the, the actual in-person part of this is, that has actually happened where DeAndre Jordan is now meeting with Doc Rivers, J.J. Redick, who is now driven from Austin. Uh Chris Paul and kind of the rest of the the Steve Ballmer, the rest of the Clippers hierarchy, uh, and they're trying to convince him to sign the sheet. Now, they're willing to go so far to get him to sign the sheet. Remember, he can't legally sign it before midnight tonight, Eastern Time, 10 o'clock Mountain Time. But so they have to stall. They have to stall. They have to keep him hostage in his own home <laughs> so that Mark Cuban and Chandler Parsons and the rest of the Rockets team can't meet with him and try to be like, hey, remember what we talked about last week? It's still true. You still want to sign with Dallas. And by the way, there's this verbal agreement that, that you agreed to. An NBA player is literally being held hostage in his own home, and it's happening right now. I mean, it's just... So Cuban's at the doorstep trying to get in. Yeah. And, and how do we know this? This is the part that I think... Is, <laughs> there's another layer to this that I think is amazing. How do we know this? Do we have a drone outside the house? No. Adrian Wojnarowski somehow knows Yahoo everything Sports. that's going... Yes. Yahoo Sports. And, and, you know, obviously he just knows everything. But I, that he, how he knows everything is uh, beyond belief. So he either has a source inside the house giving him play-by-play update. He's omniscient. He's got to. Or he has a drone outside or, the house. Or he knows someone who's trying to get into the house. All three of those are can. plausible, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he might. Like, pay a kid to fly a drone over DeAndre Jordan's house. And it could happen. It's, it's worth it. I mean, we're in, we're in the era where, also earlier today, Adam Schefter tweeted out John Paul Pierre's um, medical records that he actually had his finger amputated today. Like, wow. major HIPAA violation, but the maximum fine's $50,000, so it he's doesn't really matter. He's willing, to, he's willing to take the hit for the, for the breaking news. I mean... The drone expenditure basically is is peanuts at, right. at that point, <laughs> where you're willing to take the HIPAA fines. But anyway, this DeAndre Jordan story is it, it really is probably but the now, best day on NBA Twitter of all time. And and but it sounds like it may have have a resolution, right? The the word coming out of the camp is that he's going to resign with the Clippers. So there have been reports from local Clippers writers, but they also felt that way before he signed with the Mavericks as well. So. I, it's they're, they're the not point. acknowledging the current situation, uh, the hostage situation. Yeah, I mean, it, it's gotten to the, the point where I won't trust it until our omniscient narrator, Adrian <laughs> Wojnarowski, actually says that it is so. Like, everyone else in this story has their own biases, and we, we can't trust them. They're unreliable narrators. <laughs> Mr. Omniscient Narrator Wojnarowski. Only tells the truth. Only tells the truth, and I'm just waiting for his report. That's great. I will say that it does seem likely at this point that he does end up returning to the Clippers. I mean, first of all, 
they're literally kidnapping him inside his own house. So that's that's one sign. But B, I just do think it's a better basketball situation. Well, the other thing about this, what I was going to say earlier, I this is exactly why the NBA is the greatest. This is why I love <laughs> it. This is why you love it. This is why the NBA summer is so great. There's no off season, and there's kind of a playfulness and a, a fraternity, and it's going on at the arena right now with the summer league. I mean, last night you had um, a player, you had uh, Rudy Gobert on one side. And you had Trey Burke on the other side tweeting at each other. He was doing the uh, Trey Burke was doing the social media takeover with the Utah Jazz account, and someone asked him if he had ever uh, dunked on Rudy. Right, and uh, he said, "Of course I have." Something like that. <laughs> Rudy sitting in the arena, looking across the court from him, tweets back at him and says, "You know, of course I have." Or that's yeah, not and, true. And the the Twitter back and forth, and then the the verb the, the line the of sight while they're doing it, we can all like, watch them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the literal finger wag from from Rudy Gobert was great. Yeah, it it really is like the NBA is so much fun, and I think actually these these NBA and NFL stories today really kind of compare and contrast the league. That like when when an F- NFL player um has some sort of firework accident, has a firecracker in his hand, and and literally blows or mangles fingers to the point where you have to have them amp- amputated. Then the reporter gets in there by, you know, breaking all of the laws and tweeting personal medical records. That's not fun. That's someone losing a finger and then like breaking laws in order to cover it. Well, that's the the, the NFL gets treated like, like it's you're an embedded reporter in Iraq or something. It, yeah. It's treated with the seriousness that this is so on another level. And then the NBA doesn't have to deal with that. I mean, you have a lot more fun. I, I don't know. Yeah, That's why no, it's I my mean, league. Let me give you an example. Bruce Arthur, uh, Bruce Arthur, who's a Toronto Star sports columnist, uh, you know, uh, one of the major Toronto beat guys, just tweeted this great joke that I don't think you get away with in the NFL. <laughs> he says, the owners of the Oklahoma City Thunder are constructing a heavily fortified moon base where Kevin Durant will be forced to be spent yeah. spending his July <laughs> of 2016. Right, locking down. When he's a free agent. I mean, now that we can we – can, Kidnap people and put them. You're right. Now that the away, yeah, that, this that, is the that's the future precedent that's been established. <laughs> it is. What kind of fortress can you build to keep your player locked in, and no one can get access yeah, to it? Yeah, it's no longer just contractual anymore. It, you it's can't sign an agreement if you physically can't sign their agreement. Yeah, it's it's really kind of troubling. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Um, as also someone points out, isn't this whole thing basically the plot to Celtic Pride, which is <laughs> which is also true. It is true. And by the uh, way, how great, though, has it been with all this going on? I love, love, love having the NBA in town right now with yeah. Summer League and all eyes on it. It's on, you know, on national TV. All the writers are in town. It just feels right. It feels right to have the center of the NBA universe here in Salt Lake right now. Well, uh, yeah, before before it moved to Houston temporarily. That's for true. Today. But, you know, today's the day off for the Jazz I guess Summer League. I, guess, I know the focus is there, but I love that everyone's here while yeah. it's happening. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean, I'm also impressed with how much Jazz and, and really Utah basketball fans, because it's fans of all teams that are coming to Energy Solutions Arena and watching these games, these are real Summer League records that are being set in terms of attendance. I mean, 10,215 on, on Monday night. That's by far the highest uh, attendance I can find for any summer league game anywhere. I mean, the Las Vegas summer league record last year for uh, Andrew Wiggins and, and Jabari Parker was only 8,000. And you go, I mean, Orlando summer league doesn't even allow fans. You look at, like, the history of, like, the old Rocky Mountain Review that took place in, you know, the Salt Lake Community College, even at East High sometimes. California summer league happened in these little, like, high school gyms, like, this is really the biggest summer league has ever been, and it's because of the passion of jazz fans coming in and, and watching 
the NBA take place in, in July. They love it. The, the, the atmosphere was so cool on opening night. It was great last night, too. But, I mean, last year, you know, when they had the little scrimmage, it was just a scrimmage. This wasn't even right. a real game, and they, they, they packed the place. It's just as soon as this team gets really good again and is a contender, this place is going to go nuts again. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody who was around in the late 90s knows how cool that was. It's, gonna be, it's just going to be so much fun again in the next year or two as this team gets good. Yeah, I no, I completely agree, and and I I think this is almost more impressive than that scrimmage. Although even though that just was just a scrimmage, but you know the Jazz had the twelfth pick this year, and it wasn't it wasn't a lottery selection in Dante Exum, and it wasn't like the first time we had ever seen Trey Lyles play. I mean, he was on the best team in the land, Kentucky, for you know he got he got plenty of minutes there. People knew who Trey Lyles were. Dante Exum, you understand, kind of people paying tickets for to see this new Australian player that they'd never actually seen play before. Uh, Trey was Trey Lyles is, is a different situation, and obviously he didn't even play for the first two games. Uh, now Dante Exum has, has played a lot better in in his summer league performance, although he did get the injury at the very end that kind of that tempered those feelings. But twenty points, five rebounds, five five assists, and twenty nine minutes of play that's really good. And, and the Jazz were a plus thirty one when he was on the court against the Celtics. That's that shows both his impact offensively and defensively, which is very nice to see. And it was the first time I've seen him attack the basket. I think that's what everybody was so excited about. That's the thing we never saw. I mean, everybody wanted him to do it. Everyone thought that's the player he would be when he came in. Instead, he surprised us all because he's Australian. Everything's reversed. <laughs> he came in and he was an incredible defender. I mean, a, you know, an elite defender, really, but just would never attack the basket. Right. No one expected that. Everything was backwards. But finally, we saw him going head-to-head with Marcus Smart, who's built like a linebacker was out there. I, I was impressed. I know some people didn't like his game, but I was impressed. That kid, he's, he's a super strong guy. Anyway, it was just fun to see him attack each other, go at each other, and see uh, Dante come out ahead. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it was his professional scoring high with 20 points. That's good to see. That's and, wild. Isn't that wild that yeah. he's never scored more than 20? Right. You know, you have he played all 82 games last season and, yeah, never got more than 15 last season uh, and then didn't have 20 in, in last year's summer league either. Uh and I think, really, it was cool to see him go to the free-throw line, too, because he had 10 free-throw attempts on Monday night, and in the previous four months of the NBA season, he had only nine free-throw that, attempts. That's Last incredible. Last 55 games, I almost got fouled attempts. that many times, and I was in the crowd. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> like, that's it's, amazing. It's incredible, yeah. That to play as was, many minutes as he did and only shoot nine free-throws is Right, wild. he was your starter. And, yeah, yeah I, you'd think he would just shoot that many, like, technical free-throws by accident, like... Yeah, or just accidentally walk to the line when it's not your turn to shoot. Yeah, or something. maybe get fouled at the end of the game when like <laughs> yeah. the other team's end trying of a to quarter. Foul. Yeah, so, yeah. Sometime you would get fouled. That it's it. That really is an incredible stat, but it's good to see that reverse. I guess by him. By the way, the I stat. relatedly, I've always wondered with the contract that Andres Biedrins had a few years ago, where the Jazz paid him millions and millions of dollars, and he scored three points over the course of the year. He was really there just to make it so they could meet the minimum cap requirement i've always wanted to be that guy i've always wanted a team to just keep me on the end of your roster pay me you know 10 15 20 million dollars it's up to you yeah and let me just go and i i just think if i had the same number of minutes i'm washed up i'm 38 years old (laughs) but i'm confident that i could score more than three points in an nba game strictly off getting fouled I think it's a 50-50 call. I think Dante call. proves that you might be wrong, though. Right? <laughs> I know, but I would take a different tactic. I would, I would just throw myself in the middle like, like a, like a 
an old James Harden. <laughs> and uh, I would just throw myself into the lane. I would do that head throwing back mm-hmm. thing. And I, I have to think that half the time I would get that call. You get me to the line, money. I'm going to hit those free throws. <laughs> I, was, I was two for two in my high school career from the free throw line. That's 100%. You only got two free throws in uh, your entire high school career, and you're going to get three a game That's true. at the NBA that's level? That's true. I shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't seem It's hard that to get fouled on the bench. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing that but made if, it difficult. if they played you, you would get the three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I know we would have taken state, Coach. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think that's a convincing uh, a plan. Let me before we before we break, I want to talk about Rodney Hood too during the summer league because he's been great. He's actually been the summer league's leading scorer uh, in his two games. Really, kind of been the only player who's put together two really good games so far in the Utah Jazz summer league. Uh, and, and what he's doing is is really pretty impressive. I, I you know everyone talks about his ability to score from all three levels. And he's showing that. He's scoring from the three-point line, getting to the rim. And then he's got that like nice little mid-range floater um, pull-up game that really kind of belies his years a little bit in terms of just how good it is for how young he is. He looks like an elite player out there. In this summer league, he looks like he doesn't belong. He looks like he's slumming with guys on a different level. Yeah. The guy who is on the college team playing on the rec team or something. He looks really good. And I think the Jazz, I don't think anybody expected him to be kind of the star. I think he's going to be a really core player to this team going forward. And, and that's exactly why you, the Jazz aren't making any wing moves in free agency. And, and a lot of fans are upset about that, and rightly so. And, and Ben and I have argued about this a, a lot on the show. Is, you know, why don't the Jazz go out and get a, a, even a role-playing wing? Someone like a Marco Bellinelli who can shoot, or a Jared Dudley, someone who's kind of available in the trade market. And you see why with Rodney Hood's play. is because they want to get him as many minutes on the floor as possible because he's shown that he's that good. Quite frankly, if you can play him 35 minutes a night, that's that's a good thing for your team. At his contract. I mean, on a yeah. rookie contract with what he's giving, it's a no-brainer. He's an incredible value. Yeah, and I, I mean, so their basic plan is play Hayward, Burks, and, and uh, Hood for 30 minutes a night. And, you know, if you want to use all those minutes, give them 32 yeah. a night. And that's your that's your wing rotation right there if, if someone great. gets hurt. That's not their problem. Have... That, that rotation is not their problem. Right. Uh, then you and, and you know if something goes wrong, then you've got Joe Ingles, who's been a good backup last year. Elijah Millsap, you know, tenacious defender. Uh, they feel really comfortable with that. I'm, you know, I, I worry that something is going to happen. You know, Gordon Hayward goes out for the season, and then it all falls Come apart. On. But what it all wrong? falls What's apart. What's wrong then with anyway. you? I'm sorry. I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm a. Stop it. I don't know. I'm like <laughs> thinking about the risks involved. That's true. That's true. You know, you're you're maybe simply it's just a, a realist. This, this last NBA season that ruined me because. So many injuries to so many key players. Yeah. I just can't help but think, yeah. what if? Well, hopefully you've just reverse jinxed it, so that's nice. I hope so, too. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we're going to talk more about what's going on around the Utah Jazz. Uh, Trey Lyle's signature, Joe Ingles' return, and more from Summer League. That's coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Talking hoops and the association. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Andy Larson here with you alongside Spencer Hall. So this DeAndre Jordan thing, it's getting getting us excited and we've got new news, but I, I completely forgot to announce the show, really. I, <laughs> uh, just because it, it's just overwhelming. So I want to point out we've got Bobby Marks, former assistant GM to the uh, New Jersey and Brooklyn Nets, on the show joining us on the 8 o'clock hour. That's going to be a really fun interview We'll kind of get to ask him about, A, what it's like to be an assistant GM, and then, B, kind of ask him about some jazz-specific things, like this Trey Lyles contract negotiations that have been occurring. 
the the cap space calculations for the Jazz, uh, higher cap release today. So kind of the the minutia that really the the GMs and assistant GMs of the league really care about. But we do have more breaking DeAndre Jordan news as as this segment opens. So uh, our omniscient narrator has chimed in once more. <laughs> saying that our omniscient narrator, by the way, is Adrian Wojnarowski of Yahoo News, <laughs> who's the only reporter that somehow knows everything that's going on, no matter what. Yahoo whether, sources, he's, whether he's in the room or not. Right. Clippers believe that they have a DeAndre Jordan commitment, comma, refused to exit his home. So they have a commitment, but another team recently had a commitment with DeAndre Jordan, so rightfully they're skeptical. Right, so really you can look at this as he's not being held hostage. He's actually just avoiding a difficult conversation with someone he made a promise to. Yeah. Which is, you know, like like Bill was saying on the show earlier, you know, that's a little bit unprofessional. It's that's a lot unprofessional. <laughs> and childish and, and everything else. And also, think of it this way. Uh, CP3 is the head of the Players Association. That's a good point. And if there's someone who should be asking for a certain level of decorum from his players and a certain level of professionalism, if they're going to demand it from the owners and others, you'd think that he would be the one to say, hey, guys, we need to operate in good faith or do whatever. I love it because I love a circus. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're CP3, it's not a good look. If you're DeAndre no. Jordan, it's not a good look. If you're the Clippers, it's not a good look. Even if you're Doc Rivers. I think, uh, you know, people have been saying this on Twitter, but that first Clips-Mavs game, we've now got a new rivalry oh and a new yes. reason to, hey, you've got Cuban in the mix. He doesn't back down from a fight. There's a new rivalry in the NBA, and I'm excited to see how it goes. I'm surprised that, like, Mark Cuban hasn't, like, called the police. Uh, I mean, I guess he doesn't have any right to because it's DeAndre's home. But, like, <laughs> he's, he's got to think outside the box here a well, little bit. Well, you know bit. he's going to demand a fine. There, he's going to sure, demand but, some sort of— I mean, Mark Cuban's the ultimate example of fines not changing behavior. That's true. Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he'll know that the fine doesn't really, it doesn't really matter in the end. I, I just can't believe the story is, is still breaking as we speak. Like we said, DeAndre Jordan is currently meeting with Clippers personnel at his home in Houston. Uh, again, allegedly has made a commitment to the Clippers, but again, allegedly made a commitment with the Mavs over a week ago. I guess it may not be over a week ago, but nearly a week ago now. Uh, it's just incredible. This, As Tim McMahon said, this isn't the Clippers holding DeAndre Jordan hostage. This is them keeping him company while he avoids facing the Mavs. It really it feels like a breakup situation. It feels like a love triangle. Well, in a, yeah, in a worse breakup, she's out knocking on the door. And you're just <laughs> like, don't answer it. Pull the blinds down. Turn off the TV. We are not answering that door. And then you have a reporter and multiple reporters, you know, talking about it. The whole the whole world tweeting about it. I mean, this is this is insane. It, it really is. And they're like, socially media savvy. You know, they're following what's oh, going yeah. on on social. That's probably how they're wasting the time. Again, they need to wait another two and a half hours before he can actually <laughs> sign the contract. So, like, th that seems like a long time to keep someone hostage. I mean, the question is, is he worth it? Do you think DeAndre Jordan is worth this kind of a, a brouhaha? I, I mean, at this point, he kind of is. Like, you think? I wouldn't have said so a week ago, but the Clippers don't have any cap space to sign anyone anyway. So if they don't sign DeAndre Jordan, they don't get anybody. They don't else. get anybody, and they're not a contending team next year. Period, and maybe not even next year with with the amount of money mm. that they have uh, committed to to mm. their team. And then Dallas. So this much this much of a fuss over a guy who you can't have on the floor at the end of a game because he can't hit his free throws. Right. Yeah. But I mean, he plays. 40 other really good minutes. I, I, I mean, I, I think that's a little bit overblown. I, with I, Andrew, I agree. I agree. A little yeah, devil's advocate there. but You're right. It's, that it's, it's a lot of hullabaloo over what I would consider the game's like 
not Bill 30 Russell. or 40th best player. You know, like he's he's in that stratosphere, not right. top 10. But again, if the Clippers don't sign him, they can't sign anyone else. And the Mavs at this point, if they don't sign him, they can sign other people under the cap. There's just nobody left mm. in free agency. All mm. the top free agents are signed with other teams. Mm. So, you know, you can't go out there and replace a DeAndre Jordan and try to sign Tyson Chandler again. You, mm. you know, that, that ship's already sailed. Mm. You can't sign uh, Robin Lopez. He's already gone to the Knicks. All of, all of the good free agents are, are gone. And so if, if they don't sign him, again, they probably fall out of the playoffs. The musical chairs are going on, the music has ended, and all the scrambling is happening for that last exactly. chair. Exactly. That, that's exactly DeAndre what's Jordan happening. is the last chair. And, and for the Jazz fans, it's, it's a little bit of a hard place to be in because you can either say, I want him to go to the Clippers, and at least then we'll know fairly confidently that the Dallas Mavericks are falling out of the playoffs without Rondo, without Monte Ellis, without Tyson Chandler, just have lost so much talent. Um, or you can say, I want him to go to the Dallas Mavericks, and maybe that makes both the Clippers and Mavs mediocre, mediocre such that the Jazz can surpass them and, and maybe get a better seed in, in the playoffs, if, if you believe to them to that, to that degree. Well, I, I think, I, I mean, again, I don't mean to harp on the thing about him shooting free throws, but I think there's actually something to be said for the Clippers becoming a better team without him because they'll be forced to learn how to play without him. He's a guy who you can win a lot of games with during the regular season because guys don't know how to handle him. He has a lot of energy. He's big. You can throw the lobs. They get going. But I feel like he's a little bit of fool's gold. Like when you comes down to lockdown time and it's time to get a basket and he's not on the floor because this hack of Jordan, that's a liability. And all of a sudden you're out of your rhythm. You don't have your guy. You have a different lineup. I don't know. I, I just think it, it, it could be a double-edged sword for people cheering for him to leave the Clippers because that's a really good team with a lot of good players. And if they learn to, to you know, play with – guys who can actually hit free throws, they're still scary. Albert Floor raises some, some possible courses of action for the Mavs in this situation. Will the Mavs call the fire department, have the water turned off, report a gas leak? All uh, of these are like, not terrible ideas, these actually, for play. them. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Meanwhile, Jeremy Lin, who was a free agent point guard target for them, has now signed with the Hornets wow. while their front office is busy. Wow. So... Even if they do get DeAndre Jordan, I, I still don't know who plays point guard for them. Right now, it's probably Devin Harris. Again, I'm I available. Well. This is the important part. I'm very available. Mark Cuban, call me uh, at Salt City Hoops. Uh, I'm available via Twitter. I, I've still got some good minutes left in me. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're getting a tweet from Andrew Snyder. Lucky for you, the moratorium will be over and things should fall out before the SCH show tomorrow night. Actually, it's today. So <laughs> everything is happening right now. <laughs> Bummer. Uh, <laughs> I just, all of this is, is just so absurd. I, I, we have a show planned and there's also so much to be talked about, about the summer league and the jazz's development. I want to also bring up Jack Cooley's play, especially in that first game, because uh, he was a monster. I mean, really showed an incredible NBA skill in his rebounding, uh, 13 points and 13 rebounds, including six offensive rebounds in just 16 minutes of play in game one. He was a little bit worse last night in game two, but I, I still He's shown me that he has a place in the NBA just by being a voracious rebounder. Yeah, and he actually, another stat that he got was number of references to a kind of animal. (laughs) Stealing a joke from our friend Angie Treasure, he was called an ox. He was called a buffalo. He was called um, a beast. I don't know if that's an animal. The beast is an animal, sure. uh, Anyway, all, all kinds of animals. He was just so fun to watch. He's somebody, if the Jazz can find a spot for him, I would love to see him on the roster. So much fun to watch. He works his tail off. 
He's huge. He flies all over the court. He's someone that you just, it's so easy to root for. So much fun to watch him play. Um, I think he turned some heads. I think he, I, I thought he was really impressive. As, as we mentioned, Trey Lyles was also signed officially last or yesterday uh, and also met with the media. Kind of uh, didn't want to answer any questions about that contract holdout situation that kept him out of the first couple of games. He did say that his agent told him to, to sit out, which I think was, was an important detail. You know, Dennis Lindsay said that this is, this is my fault. You know, it's, it's my fault why he's not playing. But it is a little bit unprecedented for an agent to hold a player out of summer league while uh, contract negotiations are undergoing. And so I, I think that was... Generally, they just play even though they're still negotiating. Right. So only about five of this year's free agents have already signed to a contract. Uh, but at, nearly everyone's playing in summer league. It's just it's kind of a, a sign of good faith from both sides. You right. know, they don't get paid for summer league. They only get the per diem, which is still more than you and I make combined. But... You know, the, the per diem is, is I still nice. see the sense in getting it locked down, though. I know there were some incentives and yeah. some things he wanted. I, I mean, the front offices are busy. I get it. This is just an example of not being able to get the paperwork done in time. But if I, if I, <clears throat> excuse me, if I'm a player and I get injured in that, I mean, man, I want my, I want things guaranteed before I'm out there. Guys are, yeah. guys are playing for their life. People, th- these are the best 450 players are in the NBA. The next, however many are trying to get in there. Mm-hmm. So these are still among the best thousand players in the world at basketball. And they're playing hard. They're playing for their life. I mean, guys were diving on the floor. We yeah. saw guys throwing their bodies all over the place. It's easy to get hurt. I get wanting a contract before you. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I would say that, you know, if, if a first round contract and especially a lottery pick got injured during summer league, you know, even if it's like an ACL tear and it's terrible, uh, they're still going to get paid. You know they're they're still going to get that rookie contract in the end, just because there are three years after that. You're you're not going to give up on a rookie just because he has to sit out the first year. So do you think this the Jazz view this player agent relationship a little differently now? Do you think it soured it? Do you think that I mean, there's going to be some bad blood because of that holdout? I, I wouldn't. I I don't know if I would necessarily go that far, but I will say that it was really kind of the first time they've negotiated with Rich Paul, who's who's Trey Lyles' agent and LeBron James's agent as well. Uh, in this sort of matter, and he's known as a tough-nosed, will-hold-guys-out-of-situations you know, kind of agent. I mean, obviously, LeBron's experience, but even Eric Bledsoe last summer took so long to sign. And, you know, to Rich Paul's credit, he eventually got that huge money offer that he was waiting for. Um I'm sure you don't. You maybe don't know how an agent works. You don't know what his demands are. Right. A lot of, uh, in the past, you know, they've worked with the same... Exactly, it's Five, all been six, seven guys. guys, or yeah. you know, Paul Millsap's agent is his uncle. You know, guys like that, which honestly are a little bit easier from from that point of view. Or maybe a guy like Andy Miller, who the Jazz have uh, a relationship with through through Justin Zanuck, the assistant GM. You know, formerly working there. So does does the team take into account who a player's agent is when they're doing player evaluation? Do you think that plays into anything? No, because you know, if, if it really did, then you'd be doing a bad job. I would say that. Especially not in the draft, you should just take the best player, regardless of who his agent is. Certainly, you know. But if it's a wash, do you think that's that could tip it? Probably I would not. say probably not, just because you know this sort of best two days. You know, it, it's very very small potatoes in the, in in the scheme of things. I would say that maybe in free agency it might affect it a little bit more, where you know, with like a Rich Paul client, you're going to maybe have protracted negotiations. You're going to be paying. A couple million dollars more a year than you might through uh, through another agent, or maybe, more. or maybe if uh, an agent is somebody who has a uh, 
has a past of trying to push a client to a big city or something. Right. If you're the jazz, you don't want to get involved with somebody who maybe yeah, wants his client exactly. somewhere else. Keeping that in mind. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break. We do want to talk about the, the return of Raul Neto and Tibor Pleiss. It looks likely that they'll sign with the Jazz as well as Joe Ingles. As well as we'll keep you updated on this DeAndre Jordan situation. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Analytics and opinions on the Jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoops Show on ESPN 700. Andy Larson here with... Uh, Spencer Hall, not Ben Dowsett. No. Ben Dowsett, though, just tweeted us. I'm wearing all of his clothes, though. <laughs> ben Dowsett just tweeted us. He's, he's disappointed he can miss the show, but he says, quote-unquote, I was already pissed about missing tonight, but now I'm out a full-blown rant opportunity. That's the Ben, and da- ben Dowsett we know and love. <laughs> if, if he were here right now, the volume would be 85 decibels higher. We would be getting some serious passion from Dowsett. We miss him, and uh, he's, working, <laughs> he's working for me right now at his real job, so. <laughs> Uh, I, I love, uh, yeah, I, first of all, if you want to tweet us and join in to the show, feel free to tweet us at Andy B. Larson or at Spencer Hall or at Salt City Hoops works for you as well. Or you can also call into the show, 877-353-0700. Say that again, 877-353-0700. Again, just quick update. DeAndre Jordan is currently at his Houston home, surrounded by Clippers officials. I don't know if he's surrounded, but in the home with Clippers. I like officials. to imagine that they are actually sitting in a, a panic room somewhere in the in in the basement. But they they refuse to leave. <laughs> <laughs> they the the Clippers officials refuse. It's to like leave an intervention. It's an intervention, but kind of passive aggressive. You don't want to tell your friend that you're there to like take care of him because you're worried he's going to drink too much. Right. We're just going to kind of stay. No, it's okay, man. I'll just stay. It's okay. <laughs> we'll just stick around. No, it's okay. I want to watch this show. Yeah, we'll just. Again, it's two hours and like, ten well, minutes Are they now. on Netflix right now? Are they all, like, trying right. to decide what to watch? Like, that would be the best way to spend the next two hours. It's just like, oh, hey, hey, DeAndre, can we, can we watch a film together? Just <laughs> not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> and meanwhile, the Mavericks are actively trying to get inside this house and actually talk with DeAndre Jordan, give him the, the plan that he heard last week, that the reason that they needed to bring, that he needed to come to Dallas in the first place, whatever that was. I think Chandler Parsons mostly made a pitch using parties and women, but you know, regardless of what his techniques were. Uh, but if you're were... DeAndre, if you're DeAndre, which, which, where do you go? If it, if it's you making that decision, where would you go? If I if I start on July first, when like I should have actually been making this decision, right. and really he's had since the Clippers were eliminated, like sure. this didn't have to happen now. No, but I would have chosen the Clippers because you know you've got something good going on right. with with Blake and and Chris. And what happened? You guys what, are legitimate championship what, contenders. Yeah, what broke the relationship? It seems like it was a a fallout between Chris Paul and and DeAndre. Quite frankly, that that Chris Paul was too fierce mm. for DeAndre's kind of laid back big man tendencies. Well, they do have the, DeAndre does have kind of a bit of a clown in him, and he, yeah. he likes to mess around and things. CP three can have a good time, but when it's time to play basketball, there's Kobe and there's CP3. They're both on that same level. I saw somebody made the joke that, you know, if the Clippers don't, you know, get a little more serious, even Kobe's going to be calling CP3 and saying, hey, man, that death stare is a little harsh. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, it's uh, apparently their, their relationship off the court was a little bit salty. And so, you know, I, I get that. That's That's been a reason why players have left organizations in the past. I heard even a report that uh, DeAndre Jordan told the Clippers, or really Dan Fagan, his agent, told the Clippers that he would not sign with them unless uh, they traded Chris Paul, which wow. is a pretty high demand. And naturally, how are you gonna? Like, how are you gonna try to get rid of Chris Paul? That's right. the craziest thing I've ever heard. So, anyway, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I would probably sign with the Clippers. But at this point, now that I'm already getting four years, $80 million with the Mavericks, I've already said my piece. Would you talk to Cuban? Yeah. If you're in the house, what would you, how would you, what would you say? I'd just be like, you know, if I've, if I've decided to go back <laughs> on my word, I'd be like, you know, I apologize. This is an important decision for the next five years of my life. Right. I messed this one up. My bad. However, I have to stay in L.A. There's a certain former Laker you could call who might have some advice on how to have these conversations. <laughs> who is that you're talking about? <laughs> I don't know. He's a, a certain one who did this to the Jazz, did it to the Mavericks, did it to mm. OKC. The, the infamous Derek Fisher, if you will. Perhaps. He might be the best at this kind of conversation. <laughs> if you need advice, he's the one you should have on your speed dial, right? Yeah, and they, someone else pointed out, and again, now I'm just throwing out things that are happening on Twitter like hours ago. <laughs> But this has happened to the Dallas Mavericks a couple times right. over the last years. I mean, again, Derek Fisher, as you mentioned, but also they thought they had a deal with Jason Kidd before he signed with New York. So I don't know what it is with Dallas and people realizing, oh, no, what have I done? Is it Dallas in the summer? I mean, it, I, <laughs> I really don't. Nice. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it probably is situational, but I, I imagine Cuban's an intense guy, and I could see people liking that or not liking that. One thing, though, that is true in the NBA that I think a lot of people, I think sometimes observers of the NBA like to think that it's all about the city, but I think it's about winning first for these guys. It's about money, and somewhere probably about fourth is the city nowadays. I don't know. I, I think yeah. that, I, I think that's fair to say that people want to win. If they think they have a chance to win, they're going to do it. If they're going to get you know, a nice city, I think that comes a little further down. No, I agree, and I think we saw that with – Greg Monroe this year choosing Milwaukee over New York. I mean, that's not a decision many, if any, free agents oh, would have made great, in the past. And, choice. You know, you get two max offers, and you chose to go with the up-and-coming Milwaukee Bucks over the down and, and trending down New York Knicks. I, yeah. You know, it's a fair choice. Update in the DeAndre Jordan oh, situation. Good. Blake Griffin has now tweeted a picture from the house. Oh, good. Don't agree with the furniture layout, but I'm not an <laughs> interior designer. That's good. Just stuff. a picture of the chair. That's good stuff. Anyway, that's, that's amazing. He's I, got he's got good comedic timing. <laughs> <laughs> I love, but anyway, that's amazing. It, it really is. I mean, this is this is unprecedented. Never have we had negoti- pictures of negotiations tweeted from within the house that they're taking place in. What a world! Uh, and and again, that there's and he put the door in front of the the chair in front of the door, if you will. Oh, so, so he's like blocked. locking it out. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe, it, I mean, it could be an interior door. Maybe he's locking DeAndre in. Yeah, who the knows? Closet. It, Either it, way. Either way. <laughs> Jeez. I, 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 more keeps happening in the story, and I can't actually get to, like, any jazz news just because it, it's overwhelmingly interesting. Um, Is there anyone on the jazz team you would lock in a basement? Who would you lock and not let them get out right now? They don't now? let you have credentials once you say that you would lock <laughs> jazz true. players in the in That's the a good point. And, and That's a good point. That's a good point. Metaphorically, <laughs> if you were a teammate of said player. Is there any player that's like worth this hullabaloo? That's Is that true. what you're asking? That's true. Or... I don't want anybody on the team to context. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really... Please view this whole conversation in context, those of you on the jazz who are listening. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't think there is. Yeah. Hey, so I, and that might say something about how the Clippers organization is operating here. It, it is pretty skeevy that they're going back to DeAndre. I mean, it, it is really violating the unwritten rules of, hey, this guy signed with another team. Leave him alone. Uh, that they're that they're having this conversation at all is is definitely a violation of kind of those unwritten rules. But, but I again, do. They don't have any other choice. It's true. And I actually, 
you know, we ask these guys to have personality, to show us a little bit, give us a little bit of a glimpse, and then they get completely, you know, crucified when they actually show a little bit of, of personality. So in a situation like this, I love it. I'm glad to see it. It's 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 messed up, but I <laughs> yeah I love it, and I love that they're playing with it, and uh, you know. <laughs> it's going to be amazing to see how this all shakes out. We've got former Nets assistant GM Bobby Marks joining us on the next segment, on the 8 o'clock segment, so that should be exciting. We'll kind of ask him about his thoughts on this whole saga as well. Um, I'm curious what he thinks from a, from an inside baseball or inside basketball perspective yeah, in of, this case. of what this deal really is. Um, I had in the segment we were supposed to talk about Raul Neto and Tibor Pleiss likely returning to the Jazz I'm excited to see those guys play. I think they're both going to be fringy players, but honestly, I'm excited to see them grow and, and be part of the Jazz's future moving forward. And, and we can't underestimate Net, Neto's arrival on what it's going to do from a marketing standpoint. Well, I'll just leave that one there. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's going to be brilliant. We'll talk about that next on, on the show. But again, Bobby Marks, former Nets assistant GM, joining us on the show. Uh, you're listening to the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. All right, welcome, welcome into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. My name is Andy Larson. I'm the managing editor of SaltCityHoop.com, the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Uh, Spencer Hall joins me this week on, on the Salt City Hoop Show. This DeAndre Jordan saga is crazy. Um, we still have DeAndre in his house with Clippers officials. They have two hours until they can officially present the contract to him. He can lay pen to paper and end this saga for good. But for right now, it really feels like a hostage situation. And it's a good thing, too, because we, we, I believe we've got Bobby Marks. Do we have Bobby on the line yet? No, we're okay. We're still trying to get him on the line. Um, I love that this is almost like CNN right now, where it's just breaking news up on the yeah. screen. There might as well be a plane down in the, <laughs> the ocean. There, there really should be a helicopter over his house right now, right? Like, <laughs> a drone. And, and, Why, I hope the local news are over there surrounding this house. Yeah, I mean, if, they're not, if they're, OJ they're had, a, had a helicopter, <laughs> why can't this situation? Uh I mean, it, it really is kind of a, a messed up situation. I it, it's it's such a bummer for uh, the Mavericks, first of all, who thought they had a great off season, and now it turns out that their their real come come away is probably going to be a Achilles torn Wesley Matthews, and they're looking awfully thin beyond that. Uh, I mean, Blake Griffin's getting in on the action, tweeting photos from within the house. I, I this is. This is just unprecedented from an NBA standpoint. Well, and again, like I said earlier, I think the the wild part is that the NBA Players Association president is in the home right now. <laughs> right. He's contributing to this. All right. Well, let's go ahead and bring him on. We've got Bobby Marks, former Nets assistant GM, joining us. He's going to answer some questions about what he thinks from an inside perspective about this DeAndre situation. Talk about the Jazz a little bit as well. Bobby, how are you? I'm good. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. So... Uh, I mean, tell us what you thought. First of all, when, when the news came out that DeAndre was considering moving, I guess, reconsidering his, his original deal with the Mavericks, talking with the Clippers, and then how it's all unfolded over the day. What, what are your thoughts kind of from an inside perspective? Well, you know, you know usually when, when a player gives a commitment, you know, even though it's not in writing, you know, that, that commitment stands. And, um, you know, as you guys know, with free agency, it's, you know, once a player decommits, it's a domino effect, and that's what you're seeing right now. I mean, from what it looks like, you know, he had reached out to, um, you know, Clipper players on Monday, and that opened the door for, you know, Clipper management to kind of try to 
see if they can persuade him to come back. And once he did that, then it's, then it's fair game. And, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of people crit- criticized here and everything you know, about him, him changing his decision. But, you know, it, that's, the, that's the beast we live in. And, um, you know, there was a moratorium and, you know, players couldn't, you know, sign contracts for about eight days. And that window there left, left him to possibly, you know, become an L.A. Clipper. So it's a, it's a situation that I've, I've never seen happen before. And I've seen a bunch of things, but to this magnitude where, you're looking at a Dallas team if DeAndre doesn't sign, we'll have a lot of room left. But the, the you know the free free agent market is real bare right now, so um, it, it's a it's an interesting story to say the least. Why doesn't the league allow teams to kind of come up with the framework of the deal during the moratorium? So you could just plug in that final number, whatever. The moratorium is in place so that the cap can be calculated, right? And then yeah, that's, why couldn't they just say whatever the cap number is? times whatever you know come up with the framework of the deal and then just sign it why isn't that something that's available you know i don't know and you know the moratorium is set in place as you said to you know set the salary cap and you know the numbers for the luxury tax going forward and everything and you know as you've seen the, the cap went up pretty high from where it originally was which was 67 million and went to 70 so um but it leaves it leaves you know teams very vulnerable here where as we're seeing here with DeAndre, where, you know, a player can, can decommit and there's no consequences. And, you know, Dallas doesn't have a leg to stand on. You know, even if they wanted to make a complaint to, to the league and stuff, the rules state that a player and a team cannot reach an agreement, you know, verbally. It's, they, it says that you can, you know, talk parameters of a contract. So even if the Mavericks wanted to file a complaint, the league could turn around and actually investigate the Mavericks for violating the CBA. Wow, wow. That's incredible. So they have no recourse. There's nothing they can do there to go in none. and say. There really is no recourse wow, here at all. Wow, that's amazing. And there's no con- and there's no contract. You know, I mean, it's not like they had a uh, they had a contract and they put it in a draw because the, the max numbers changed also. Right. So you know they're they're in a Dallas is in a tough spot right now, and I'm just as you guys are probably following this on Twitter and all this stuff as far as what, what what's going on. It looks like they've kind of barricaded everyone out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> and they're kind of waiting until the clock strikes, you know, um, I guess in Dallas, 11 o'clock and stuff. So uh, it, it's an amazing story. Now, there's ethical ramifications around the league, right? I mean, this is kind of a messed up thing. The players um, are even, Blake Griffin just tweeted a picture from inside the house with a, a chair against the door. I mean, they're having a good time with it, but it, it, is it something that's going to have ramifications in the way other players treat them? Will they be ostracized? What do you think is the fallout from a social standpoint? Well, I don't think you'll see the Clippers and the Mavericks make a trade, for one thing. (laughs) So I don't know if that relationship there is healthy. But as you guys know, you know, these these stories will kind of, in two weeks from now, you know, there'll probably be a little bit of, you know, the the collateral damage and stuff like that. But it will probably... It will probably go away unless you're in, in Dallas and you're Mark Cuban and you're trying to figure out, you know, who who can I get for, you know, $16 million that's still on the open market and stuff like that. But from an, from an ethical standpoint, I said earlier, I think I might have tweeted out that, you know, it, there's an unwritten rule that once a player commits, you know, that's kind of where you stand by. And, and I still believe that. But, you know, we, we live in a day and age where, you know, players have the right to decommit. And that's what, that's what DeAndre Jordan's legacy is going to be. You know, Mopey 
that if he makes the all-star game next year and stuff like that, but it's going to be the summer of, you know, 2015 when he decommitted from the, from the Dallas Mavericks. Wow. Is this at all on Dan Fagan either? It's hard. You know, I know there's been a lot of things, and I've actually talked about it too a little bit just because of Dan's relationship with, um, you know, Mark Cuban, and there has been a track record of, um, you know, clients of his, Chandler Parsons for one, um, you know, signing with uh, with Dallas and stuff like that. So you, you don't know unless you're actually in the room and when Dallas made it, their presentation to DeAndre as far as what, what the pitch was and everything like that. Um, you know, the player, the player, you know, the agent works for a player, and it's not vice versa. So, you know, it, it, DeAndre, you know, he's a 27-year-old man. He can he can figure out, and the agent can guide him as far as what what he wants to do and everything. So, I'm sure we'll hear we'll, we'll hear a lot of stories from what happened, and I'm sure Dan will probably get a little bit of, of the brunt of it and stuff like that. But I guess unless you're really in that room, you just don't know. We've got Bobby Marks on the show at Bobby Marks 42 on Twitter, former Nats assistant GM. I wanted to ask you, Bobby, about the the Trey Lyle situation that was kind of resolved yesterday, uh, and in particular. This, there's kind of this unusual contract holdout situation from Summer League uh, where it seemed like the Jazz and, and uh, Rich Paul, Trey Lyles' agent, were, were negotiating over something, whether that be bonuses or, or something else uh, about his contract. And as a result, Rich Paul actually, it seems, held out uh, Trey Lyles out of participating in Summer League and, and the Jazz practice leading up to it. Uh, first of all, is that an unusual situation from your perspective? It is. Okay. It is. In, in, the, in the rookie contracts are really set in stone. The only thing the agent really has to can negotiate is there's an extra 20% in bonuses. And usually that's in for playing summer league and, and playing, you know, in a skills competition, like playing in, um, you know, in Las Vegas at one of the camps and stuff like that. So there really isn't much negotiating with a rookie contract. I think from what you probably saw for Utah is that, they probably wanted to hold his cap, his first round cap number, which would have been a hundred percent, and maybe have a little bit of flexibility, um, you know, to either use some of their room and stuff um, before they actually sign Trey. So, but you, if you look at some, where summer league is right now, with you know, with uh, Orlando and um, you, you know, out by you guys, the Utah summer league and stuff like that, I would say there's probably eighty percent of the players who are playing in summer league are playing without a contract. So it's not like the the norm is that all these players are holding out. It's not like the NFL where they're holding out and everything. And um, you know, is there a risk of an injury? Sure, but you know, most of the teams, or probably all the teams, you know, will will even if an injury, will sign the player. So I I don't understand why he would have held out. I, the bonuses are you know. Um, there, a lot of it is just non-negotiable. I mean, you have a teeny bit of flexibility, but I, I didn't I didn't get that. Were, were the Jazz backed up with some of the other negotiations they signed Joe Ingles? That doesn't seem like that would have been the priority. No. Is that difficult? I'm looking, to... yeah, yeah, I'm looking at their cap space and stuff like that. So they signed Joe, and they still have some room and stuff. So it wasn't like they were they were you know out hunting for a ten million dollar player and right. they needed that room to to do so and stuff like that. So I don't I don't think it was a cap situation. And the, you know, as I said, the bonuses are you can negotiate up to twenty percent of it and stuff like that. You know, I mean. So there's not much. There really isn't much, you know, flexibility there. Most of these contracts are do have bonuses to get to that 120 percent, right? I mean, at least under my understanding, so that you know, if you do play in summer league or you know, for example, go to P3 during the summer, that might be something that gets you from say 115 percent to 120 percent. Am I my misunderstanding how that works? 
No, you're right. And even the players who were in, in the, you know, even top 10 picks are in there. And I, you, there are even players that were first-round picks. And usually how they do it is it's the first two years of the contract where you get the, um, you know, you'll get the extra 20% in bonuses. You're, by year three and four, you know, most teams, it's, it's the, the 120% is a given. You know, those are, the play, those are team option years and everything like that. So it depends. You know, sometimes guys are in a lottery or, you know, given a little bit more leeway than a player that was picked in the 20s, and they'll have to earn it a little more. But, um but that's it's just it's common business, you know. Uh, when I was with the Nets, you know, we we all our players that we drafted in the first round had to earn the that you know that either if it was ten percent or fifteen percent, um, but they did have to earn it. I, I want to ask you about kind of the behind some of the behind the scenes stuff of of being an assistant GM, and and in particular, I kind of always wondered how these these moves that we hear about, you know, when when Adrian Rojnarowski tweets that that something has happened. Right. There's still phone calls and, and contract details and, and things left to left to be done. Can you kind of explain what that process is like from whether it be signing a player or trading a player and just kind of the man hours involved in making that, that one tweet come true, if you will? Yeah, well, I mean, for trades, I think is a little bit more interesting because I think a lot of the stuff that sometimes gets reported never ha- happens just mm-hmm. because of either it's bad information that's getting out there, it's a team kind of coming in and trying to, you know, change the parameters if it's, if it's another team and everything. Um, with what we're seeing with free agency and stuff like that, you know, everybody is, you know, tweeting out or, you know, saying if a player has agreed and stuff like that. So there is that eight-day window before a team can actually, you know, go ahead and, and, and sign that and stuff. But, you know, from an NBA standpoint, you know, we get a lot of the information from, what, from you know, a lot of it's coming from the media. So we're kind of relying on it that it's solid information and, and stuff like that. But, there is a process, and I think what you'll probably see over the next couple of days, a lot of it's based on timing. You know, if you're a team like Boston and you have, you're making a trade for, you know, David Lee and you have to sign Amir Johnson and also sign Jay Crowder and um, Jonas Jarepko as well as your two first-round picks, it's gotta be, there's got to be an order on how to do it be, so you can, you know, do the trade and also fit those other players with, with room and stuff. So a lot of this stuff right now is all about timing. How many, when you hear all the trade rumors and things, I, I'm actually surprised to hear that you say that you depend on the media because I see things and about, you know, a good percentage of the things that are reported end up not being true. So how do you sift through the noise of all the trade rumors, things that agents are putting out there, player reps, uh, so many different interested parties? You could have a brother of a player putting something out. Who knows whether he's in the loop or not? How do you sift through whether something is is accurate or if it's something that's misleading? Well, I think you have to have a good relationship with other teams. And, you know, you have to have a trust level where if, if there is something going on that does affect your team or a player, then then you're going to need to rely on that. And, you know, and, and it's a trust level where if that, you know, if, if the Jazz who's telling the Nets that the Nets, you know, are not going to get that information out to, to the media and stuff like that. So, there is a trust level. Um, you know, a lot of it is, you know, a lot of it's common sense. You know, I think if you see some deals that really don't make sense, it, it, you know, it's probably not going to happen or what the, what the consequences will be and stuff like that. But there are some, there are some big guys out there who do get a lot of the stuff. Um, you know, some of the national guys are, are pretty on it with it and stuff like that. So 
it, it's more of just sifting through through the process. It, it's hard sometimes to get an actual read from you know the agent and everything because he's got you know he's trying to look out for the best interests of his client. We've got Bobby Marks, former Nets assistant GM, on the show at Bobby Marks forty two on Twitter. I want to ask you one last question before you go. I, you mentioned that the cap going up from sixty seven million dollars projected to it'll be officially now seventy million dollars. How much does that affect things? I mean, obviously, the, uh, most of the big free agents are signed, but could we see the, the rest of this free agency change course a little bit as a result of that extra cap space that some teams have? Well, it could. I mean, if you're a team like New York, um, who, you know, made all, you know, they signed four players to get to right to, to the cap number and stuff like that, the extra, the extra $3 million just created, you know, a $3 million slot. And also they have, you know, their, their room at level of 2-8. So you're going to be able to get, you know, two players close to, you know, $3 million. If you're, if you're Utah, you, you know, your cap is right around, you know, $10.5 million that you have in room. You can probably increase it a little more because it looks like you've got about five non guarantee or five guys who have partial or non-guaranteed contracts. So it depends. You know, the, the market has really, really, you know, um, settled and everything as far as players out there you know there's not as many bigs there's a bunch of fours look there's a couple wings there's not that many point guards and stuff like that so it might benefit the agent a little bit to, that, that some of these teams do have a little bit of an extra cushion all right well bobby thank you for joining us i just want to pass on chris broussard says cuban is beside himself driving around downtown dallas begging through texts jordan's family for the address to deandre's home it's come to this can you believe it he, you know, he probably might do. He probably might just call like a like a bomb scare or something like that, that's or pull the fire alarm. <laughs> that's out, what we were know? saying. <laughs> that's incredible. That's amazing. All right. Well, All thanks right. again, Sounds Bobby, good, for guys. joining us. Okay. That was Bobby Marks, former Nets assistant GM. He's been in the league for twenty years. Is well known around the league as one of the best cap guys in the league. Um, it was kind of a shock, really, to to a lot of league observers that he was his option was not renewed at the end of the season for the Nets. Um, that seemed like a an ownership decision almost because of, of how it went down. Um, but uh, you know, a good guy, a good follow on Twitter. Check him out if you haven't. Everyone out there at Bobby Marks forty two. Um, this DeAndre story again is just ridiculous. I uh, that again, Cuban is literally driving around downtown Dallas. I know, but I love that we have now Broussard getting in on the omniscient thing. <laughs> that he is somehow an ant. We have Ant Man in the theaters coming out soon. How is there like miniature little ant reporters who are somehow inside the car who can report on the emotions of a Cuban as he as he drives around and, and have access to the text that he's sending out? Or, right. Uh, it, it, it's craziness in the way this is being reported. Yeah. How do we know that Mark Cuban is driving around downtown? There's no Dallas? way to know that. I mean, is he tweeting pictures? Is he is he is he periscoping? <laughs> is he is he meerkatting? Right he should now? periscope. Now is now is a great time oh. to periscope. Uh, it was cyberdust. Blake... <laughs> cyberdust. <it. laughs> cyberdust. Yes. Uh, well, and Blake Griffin should too. You know, if if you're tweeting pictures inside the house, just just periscope. I mean, you talk the about thing. breaking the internet right now. If Blake Griffin turns on his periscope and lets everyone in on a live feed of this, I mean that's that's that, over. We would stop it, air. It, we yeah. would get off air anything, and, and watch that. Anything on ESPN, they should just pick up that feed live. Absolutely. And just carry it on ESPN too. Yes, I, I'm still shocked that ESPN doesn't somehow have a helicopter out there <laughs> watching the scene, waiting for DeAndre or waiting for Mark Cuban's car to pull up once he finds out what what DeAndre Jordan's address is. Which, by the way, <laughs> how does he not like have some way to find that out yet? Like, you would think that like some other agent might know, or some of his like high school coach might know, or 
I feel like Mark Cuban should be able to find out DeAndre Jordan's address. Oh, he can't. He's not at the door. According to Chris Broussard, that's that's well, what I, we've learned. I interpreted that as he went to the house and now he's just driving around. No, he uh, well maybe, uh, but it sounds Chris Broussard says Cuban is beside himself driving around downtown Dallas, begging Jordan's family for the address to oh, DeAndre's home. That's ridiculous. So he's not outside the door, though. Maybe other people might be, but I mean. <sighs> it's too good though. It's too good. Uh <laughs> Blake Griffin just tweeted a picture of a tent, said, All right, everybody, good night. It's too good. It's it, too good. The they now officially have an hour and forty minutes uh in order to sign DeAndre Jordan to a contract on to a contract. They can't officially sign a contract in until that ten o'clock period mountain time, twelve o'clock eastern time. I, wanna, uh, I wanted to ask Bobby Marks this. How do I get in and make myself available for that last bit of cap space? <laughs> I mean, if they're going to spend that money, they can send it my way well, at Salt City Hoops. So here's the interesting thing. Hit me thing. on Venmo. Uh, <laughs> Denver and uh, Philadelphia both, because of that $3 million jump that we talked about from 67 to $70 million. All of a sudden, they have to get up to the cap. They have to get to the minimum cap, but they didn't spend the minimum cap last year. So now they actually owe their players Seven hundred thousand and one point nine million dollars. You pay it to the players. If you, you don't meet the minimum it up cap, equally amongst the players, the the money you didn't spend to get to the cap, you divided among the players. Right. That's interesting. So Ian Clark just signed. You know, got away from the Jazz. Just signed with the Nuggets. Probably gets an extra hundred thousand dollars today because he was on the roster at the end of the season. Wow. At the end of the season, like <laughs> it's good money if you can get it. Yeah, it is. So that's but, what I'm talking about. How do I get in exactly. on these? You know, split payments. Yeah, like Ty Lawson doesn't need any more money. Just no. send it. Send the one point nine straight no. to your door. Listen, if any team is listening out there and you need to get to the cap, <laughs> we can work this out. You know, I got Google Wallet. Anything. Anyway, that's uh, such a wild situation. What's next in this free agent scene? Like, what's going to be the next weird thing? I, I feel like we still have one big story you left. You think? I think this is this it. Is I it. think this is... Everyone's going to settle is down as much after as this? You can, as, as, and, you know, we've had the DeMarcus Cousins thing, but it seems like that's spoiled down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, seems like he's likely to stay in Sacramento. They drafted Willie Cauley-Stein, which is who DeMarcus wanted to sign. So long as George Carl's okay, it seems like everything is going to be... I mean, they're not going to be a good team, but at least they won't fight for the next couple months. <laughs> uh, and even if they did, it wouldn't be like the Clippers hanging out in DeAndre Jordan's home, preventing him from meeting with Dallas officials. <laughs> who are some of the, you know, I always feel like I'm right there with Charles Barkley when they play who he play for on, <laughs> on TNT. And I'm right there. I haven't been able to follow all the moves. What are the moves that you feel like are under the radar? I love Ronnie Price signing with the Suns. I love that guy. Loved covering him when, with, when he was with the Jazz. Still one of my favorite players out of UVU uh, here in Utah. Yeah. I, I loved the fact that that guy had no reason making it to the league. Not only has he made the league, he's hung around, I think this is what, 11 seasons? Yeah, exactly. Something I think like that. 11 or 12 now. That's incredible. I mean, the fact that he's made it that long says a lot about how hard he works. I remember when he was uh, his last time with the Jazz, we were doing locker cleanout, and I was talking to him, and some people had criticized him because he had, hadn't played well. And we just kind of had a quiet moment, and he he told me that he'd basically been playing on one leg for the whole season. His leg it was hurt, yeah. and for a guy whose game is built on athleticism, that's a tough way to play. And he still scrapped through and made himself a serviceable player. I, I have nothing but respect for Ronnie Price. I want to see him get a chance for one more go-round, at least in, in, in 
Phoenix. Well, and it's it's good that he has because he has that is apparently a guaranteed contract for the for the veterans minimum, which is awesome. Uh, I mean, some other who he played for guys: Aaron Aflalo moved to the New York Knicks. Uh, Lavoy Allen and the Pacers agreed on a three-year deal. Uh, let's see, Pero Antich is leaving the NBA to go to the EuroLeague. So if you if you add a European perspective to who he played for, yeah. I mean, you've got you've got a lot of room to play with. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of players who have moved uh, moved teams this summer, and and really, it's over a hundred different contracts that have been signed. It, it's pretty incredible. Five free agents with the last name of Green are available. <laughs> Maybe no, well. Available until midnight, until okay. their their teams fax them the contracts midnight as quickly East as possible, Coast. get the signing, et cetera, et cetera. All right, well, we got to go ahead and take a break on the other side. We're going to talk more about this DeAndre situation as well as Jazz Summer League um, and, and more minor news around the NBA. That's coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Talking hoops and the association, this is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. My name is Andy Larson. Spencer Hall joins me. As always, you guys can always tweet us at Andy B. Larson or at Spencer Hall. Uh, ben Dowsett is out. But if you want to talk to him, he's, he's available too at Ben he's still Ben Dowsett. He's still there. You know, we, we still like him. You can, you can tweet to him. He, we won't, he won't read your response on air like he usually does. <laughs> That'll be us. But regardless. You can also call if you want, 877-353-0700, though that seems so old-fashioned. Like, right. What are you going to do, send us a telegram? Right. You know, players are out here tweeting. Yeah, they're tweeting pictures from the home while they hold another player hostage. Right, yeah. 2015. Uh, Yahoo's Adrian Wojnarowski reporting now, Clippers' DeAndre Jordan meeting was short. It was clear he was returning to them. Then they started to play cards. Wow. So now we know what they've been right. up so to the, for the last The hostage hours. situation is not an accurate description. <laughs> It's a it's a guy not wanting to go have a difficult conversation, but maybe he, the conversation there's been no knock at the door. Apparently, Cuban can't find the house. Right, which is surprising to me. Like public records search, yeah. you would think that there'd be somewhere. Right. Uh, no, that's crazy. He can find the house. Exactly. Like Mark Cuban. Maybe it's a gated community. Yeah. So maybe he's calling his family to try to find out like what the, the gate, gate code the, is. The gate <laughs> he's like trying all the different things. You know? <laughs> really, Jersey Mark Cuban is just yeah, you know, out there starting with 0 0 He's calculating all the permutations. Yeah. In <laughs> but I mean, the man is a multi-billionaire from owning an internet company. You would think that he would know how to do like the, the public records. He search. does. It has to be an access issue. He's got to know where this community is. I, you, right? You would hope. But, I mean, we have reports that he's driving around Dallas texting his family. They're playing cards at the flop house, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this isn't the main address. It's ridiculous, by the way, that Woj knows that they're playing cards. Like, that's, that's a pretty impressive level of omniscient narration, yeah. again. That you know that not only are these exact people at this house, <laughs> but they were playing cards. Yeah. It was a short meeting. And then they started to play cards. Like, what? Card game? Like, right. I need... <laughs> Well, his his stories are always that way where he includes emotion where he would have to be inside their head. How did you know he felt that emotion? Did he yeah. say that? There was no quote. You're just amazingly there. But the fact is he's always right. Yeah. And so we trust it. It's, that's actually incredible for the level of um, inside access that he gives. The fact that he is consistently right is just an incredible display of journalism. <laughs> yeah, I know it really is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rudy Gobert is tweeting that Takashi has got the worst organization ever. And huh. just, so if you, you know, he's tweeting about sushi restaurants. Right while, half while a block world. away from us. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, and of course, Ben Dowsett has his own 
sushi recommendations, which is is maybe the most important thing issue of his life. This brings up a point I I wanted to talk about. I feel like finally we have a jazz team that feels connected to the community. I feel like it's been a long time since the players. Have, I mean, Darren Williams stayed here during the offseason. He still keeps a home here. Mehmet Okur has been great. Andre Kirilenko has been great. But I feel like th- we finally have a young group of guys who seem really connected with the team. There were seven, I think, at least seven. Yes, seven the- jazz players on the roster behind the bench, behind the ones that were actually playing, like Dante Axum, Rodney yeah. Hood, Olivier Hanlon. You know, you go down the line, uh, Bryce Cotton, Joe Ingles, or sorry, not Joe Ingles, Jack Cooley. Uh, yeah. All these guys are at or Chris Johnson. All these guys are actually playing in summer league, and then the ones who aren't are watching behind. Really, kind of the only guy who's not there is is Gordon Hayward, right? And Trey Burke, I suppose. Yeah, and uh, I, I love that we've also got a local guy coaching. I mean, the, the yeah. guy who's been the head coach has been Alex Jensen. You know, Utah guy. It's just so cool to see we've got this basketball state, and to finally have a guy. I mean, I guess. I guess Coach Johnson was a, a Utah guy too, an assistant True. coach. So there's a long storied history of having a Utah guy as an assistant coach. But fun to see Alex Jensen in that in that top spot. And um, I guess we got to talk about Jingles too. Joe Ingles is back with the team. Yeah, now yeah, he officially signed a contract, a two year, four point five million dollar with the Jazz. Both years guaranteed. Both years at two point two five million dollars for you nerds amongst you, and, and that's <laughs> that's me too. So. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's that's a good pickup for them. I mean, Joe showed last season that he is at least an adequate fourth wing sort of player who can step in and fill a role. And, and you know, at times last year he was the second wing. He actually started, I believe, it was thirty-one games last season. Like to have that sort of depth on the roster is is very useful. It, it's good that he he stayed with the Jazz. Oh, he was great. Are they going to pick up a third Australian? Uh, Brock Modem is on the Jazz summer league roster. Uh, I mean. Beyond that, though, I, I don't, don't know think who, is, who else is available. I no, mean, Ben Simmons that's... is in next year's NBA draft. <laughs> if if the Jazz, if if it goes poorly, maybe they end up selecting him. It's true. Australia's become kind of the new Argentina. A that's, little bit, yeah. You know, there was the Argentinian golden the, area. Yeah, they had now. their golden generation, and that's no longer. But now we have Australia cranking out. You got Della Vadova setting the mark, you know, and mm-hmm. making it for small white point guards to all have hope in the league. Yeah. Um, Anyway, it's a it's a golden era of Australian talent in the league. Really, as you look at Andrew Bogut and again Ben Simmons, that great young prospect coming in looks like he'll be a top five pick next year. Uh, it, you know, it's good a good time for Australian basketball. <laughs> Although things aren't necessarily too bad for South American basketball. Raul Neto, Brazilian uh, prospect, uh, looks like he's likely to join the Jazz. Has been sitting behind the bench as well. Uh, you know, it's not guaranteed, but it, it seems like. Th- Teams are they're they're coming to terms on a contract. What are you hearing with him? Do you you think it's going to happen? I think it's going to happen. I think both him and Tibor Place are going to happen uh, in this offseason, and that that will be, kind of be the roster. Actually, that brings the Jazz's roster to seventeen players if you count Olivier Hanlon, who doesn't have a contract, and and the rest of the non guaranteed guys. So they'll actually have to let someone go if they do sign both of those guys. They have to get to fifteen. To get to fifteen, I think in the end it's probably Grant Jarrett. To, to start just because he ate, I mean not only just because he got injured but hasn't really shown anything at any level to show that he really needs to be an NBA player uh, and then I worry about Olivier Hanlon actually a little bit because he he has looked out of his depth at the summer league level which isn't a good sign for his NBA prospects he's also kind of an older rookie as he doesn't have the the huge potential that all but that's a nice 15 this is an exciting jazz roster it is i think they're gonna fill this i i I don't know i think they're gonna be a great watch 
this last season, even though they didn't get to 500 and, you know, they, they came on at the end of the season. That's the thing is if you're on a 51 pace at the end of the year, that's, that means so much. That, that second half of the season after the all-star break was so much fun to watch. It was so fun to have that energy back. And uh, I, I think they've kept all the pieces together. It's almost like a free agent signing to get Alec, Alec Burks back. Um, a guy who was hurt most you, of the year. You sound year. like Dennis Lindsay now. <laughs> Our biggest free agent signing will be oh. Alec Burks. Well, okay. Well, that's it's it, he's lucky that he has that to to go on. Yeah. But <laughs> I I think the Neto thing can't be underestimated because if I can go full Salt City hoops, please. Uh, yeah. The, historical is, Salt City hoops. On this, this is a style blog. This is <laughs> Kyle Korver was the heartthrob in the city, and he hated it. He hated it. He didn't embrace it, but he he couldn't help it. He gets replay. He leaves, and Gordon Hayward shows up, who wanted nothing to do with that title either, and was kind of the video game guy, and never really kind of. And he got did married anything. too soon. Yeah, and... it just he had a girlfriend when he showed up, and then yeah, he got married. That's it, it's just thing. it just never worked. Taken. The heartthrob thing never worked out with uh-huh. Gordon Hayward, but right now, the 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 Raul Neto era is about to start. And I, for those of you who don't understand what we're dealing with here, he's going to be a sensation. So I'm telling you right now. Your wife and girlfriend are going to love the jazz for Raul Neto. And, and they should. I mean, the first time I met Raul Neto, I, I, my heart was throbbing. You know, I, I was legitimately— He's that great. No, yeah, he's no. That, he's, he want to take him home, introduce him to, to your grandmother. He'll probably walk her across the street, make a nice dinner for the family, play yeah. with the kids. Just, he just, he's a really nice kid. I think he's going to be a great addition to the team. Fun I, to have him on board. I agree. And, and maybe— I, I mean, I hope he does what Kyle Korver did because you're right. He was always reticent to really have that role um, as, as the heartthrob, but he he took advantage of it for charity, and that <laughs> that I like. That you know, if, if you're not gonna yeah. take it on for for the jersey sales and kind of the Rudy Gobert, the Ennis Cantor, the ladies, if you will, at least do it do it for yeah charitable purposes. Do Get some money, kids. bring have a fundraiser. They had one at uh, what's that building next to the. Next to the arena, in between the arena and the Triad Center, uh, the, the the mansion. Oh, the Devereaux, Devereaux mansion. mansion. Thank you. They had the the great dinner there with Kyle Culver back in the day. Raised hundreds of th- okay, tens of thousands of dollars for local charities. I mean, that's that's good guy Kyle Culver. Right it there. is, and I love that the Jazz are are dipping into the old. You know, they they they're following the Spurs model all the way around, other than getting a number one draft pick, but. They're they're building on this international thing, and I think this is a great market to to dip into the international scene. Bring in a French player, bring in a, a Brazilian player, bring in all the Australians that we can. And I, I think it's a market that loves to follow these kind of players. It's a great fit for them. Anyway, I love what the Jazz are doing with the international players. <laughs> I yeah, um, I, I I completely agree, and and. It's really the Spurs model, right? Like that's that's what Dennis Lindsay brought over from the Spurs. Or one of the things is uh, just that willingness to accept the international market and say that these guys are good. Now, I will say, Tibor Pleiss and Raul Neto were not stars at the European level. Right? You know, Tibor Pleiss was Ante Tomic's backup, and Raul Neto was while the, they were starting point guard. Murcia's starting point guard did not play particularly well. Only shot twenty percent from three. Uh, gave up a lot of turnovers last season, so there are some warts there. But if you know you give them to this Jazz coaching staff, maybe they do something with them. Uh, you know, they think that his those player skills will translate much better to the NBA than they have in Europe, and and they might be right. Hmm. And it, maybe that Spurs wisdom 
leads you in, to good places. Again, I don't think Raul Neto's role is basketball related on this team. Yeah. <laughs> it, either way, he looks good. He's he really is just his dreamy. is merchandise related and charity related. I'm gonna interview him every chance I get. I okay. mean, he'll be he won't have dressed for the game, and I'll just go to his locker and ask him about how everything went, just Perfect. to just to be able to hear his voice one one other time. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, as I as I get a glass of water, I'm gonna go ahead. <laughs> We'll take a break on the Salt City Hoop Show. Coming up next, we're going to talk more about the DeAndre Jordan situation and then bring up this this fun uh, Quinn Snyder and Coach K article from, what was it, 1990 that you? No, the 80s. 80s really? Yes. Okay. So we'll, we'll talk more about that coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show. You're listening to ESPN 700. Analytics and opinions on the jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. All right, final segment on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Andy Larson here, Spencer Hall joining us uh, today. Two good tweets in, in this DeAndre Jordan saga, which, by the way, is an hour and 13 minutes from ending. Uh, again, he can officially sign a contract at 10 p.m. Mountain Time, midnight Eastern. Uh, first of all, from Jesse Blanchard, each Spurs player going to walk up to DeAndre during a playoff game, whisper, for the Mavs. And then intentionally foul him, <laughs> Game of Thrones style. And then Chandler Parsons, <laughs> if that wasn't good enough, uh, Chandler Parsons is, is salty, says, I thought I had a good pump fake. Oh, it's cold. It's feeling like it's over. It's, it's over. feeling like he's a clipper again. Yeah, they've acknowledged what's happening, and the even clippers if, are going to get him. Even if uh, Mark Cuban's driving around lost, desperately confused, devastated, it, it seems it seems like a bad situation. Is there any chance this was orchestrated by the Clippers all along to make <laughs> no to make the Dallas Mavericks look bad? No. What the, <laughs> are that? Is that a team with any rivalry? Like you do that to make the Lakers look at bad, maybe then, and then you, you right. know, get fans in your own market. But right. like the Clippers when Mavericks has, yeah, rivalry since when has Dallas been has never existed before J- July eighth, two thousand fifteen. Mm. What a crazy, crazy day. <laughs> um. They're playing on Christmas Day, I believe. Are they? I mean, they should. If they're not, they should. They better. They haven't released the schedule. No, schedules schedule doesn't come out until mid-August. But uh, but it's going to happen, right? That, they're going to have to put that happen. on Christmas Day. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you found a good story this week from, again, 1989 or something with, with Quinn Snyder, Coach K, and just so many good stories. First of all, people don't write like this now. Well, yeah, well, I... I, I when you're at summer league, you look around and there's just you you know Danny Ferry's over here, you know whoever else is over there. You just look around and it's all these people who've been in the league, they're out of the league. You don't know where they're working right now. Danny Ferry is out as GM and now he's looking for a job. And I was trying to remember, I was thinking, I think he and Quinn played together. So I was doing some searching. I found an old New York Times article that mentioned you know they had a, a nice run in the NCAA tournament in 1989. And the championship game was played back in Seattle, where Quinn is from. So it was a big moment, and uh, Danny Ferry and Quinn Snyder were stars on that team. Um, but yeah, reading the article, it just seemed like another era. The New York Times hadn't become a modern, really writing center at the time. It, lo- it felt like something out of the 1880s more than the 1980s. Well, and I love the quote from Quinn Snyder's dad, too. Do you, do you have that article in front of you? or? Well, he just said somebody, when they found out that Quinn Snyder had this little baby face, apparently... It, Friends of the family heard that he was going to Duke, 
and said to Quinn Snyder's dad, yeah, he doesn't even shave yet. And Quinn Snyder's dad said, well, you don't shave steel. <laughs> you don't <laughs> so, shave steel. So already he was a man of steel at that age. He does have a lot of presence. And summertime Quinn is relaxed Quinn. He's all tanned up, yeah, hanging oh, out. He, life, shirt. life is good right now for Quinn Snyder. Absolutely, yeah. He's, he's just absolutely looks the part of someone who should be on a beach and is kind of disappointed that he's not right now. Yeah, sure. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's – Quinn Snyder is great. I, I really do want to ask him about that quote in particular, his dad saying, you don't, you don't shave steel or hair doesn't grow on steel or whatever. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's need, a great line. We need to meet Papa Snyder sometime. Right? Like, it, I, I don't think that's too much to ask. No. Um, I also had a chance, by the way, today to meet Becky Hammond, uh, who's the, the Spurs assistant GM, WNBA or assistant coach, excuse me, yeah. and, and WNBA legend. She was a fantastic interview, She's too. She's great. I mean, uh, she'll be the first female uh, summer league head coach in, in NBA history starting Saturday when, mm. when the Spurs go down to Vegas. Uh, cool. and, and just had a really great perspective on that. I was like, you know, I, I she didn't care that much about the, the female perspective. It was just... I, I'm well, that's so been honored. the remarkable thing from this whole thing is that they're, they're just acknowledging the fact that she's an incredible basketball player, an incredible basketball mind. Yeah. She's an easy person to get along with. She understands the game, and everybody loves being around her. It shouldn't be such a surprise. And, in fact, it's crazy that there are more women with her level of expertise in the league. And I think uh, Popovich, I believe, or no, well, I, I can't remember who. I think it was Doc Rivers who said it, where um, he said, we all have relationships with women in our life. You know, they've been our teachers. They're our mothers. They're this. Why are we so surprised that they can help us with our basketball game? Yeah. It's just, it's it's crazy. I, anyway, I'm, I love seeing her get a shot. She's she's great. She's a credit to the league. It, it is. While it's remarkable that she's the first, it's, uh, I, I mean, it. it's not that, I, I don't want to say that, like, she's remarkable. It's just that. It's it's a tremendous it, it is it is a barrier, but it doesn't feel like a barrier just because I feel like we are a little bit there with the recognition that, yeah, women can help us at the coaching levels, at the at the managing levels. It just feels like it isn't something that's happened yet. For right. <clears throat> and the players, I mean, I saw I watched when they were in town, you know, during the season and I watched her helping the players warm up and, and shoot. And you can tell they just love having her there. Yeah. She's really a very well-respected coach. You can tell the players love her perspective. And uh, a lot of the trainers and, and coaches on the, the other players aren't guys who played in the league. They're some kid who, you know, got a, a sports medicine degree somewhere mm-hmm. and did something. So her resume is much stronger than a lot of these people in the league. So it's funny that it's even a surprise that, yeah. that she made it. Yeah, no question. And I, I also think it's interesting how many, just physically how big their uh, assistant coaching staff is. I mean, we saw just an entire row of coaches behind the <laughs> Spurs bench at, at both summer league games. They've actually got more assistant coaches at summer league, the Spurs do, than the Philadelphia 76ers have players. <laughs> so that that's pretty incredible. The Jazz are kind of taking on that tactic a little bit as well by hiring. We've seen so many staff additions over the last two weeks in, in terms of both the staff and, and coaching staff. Um, they really want to create an individualized uh, setup so that instead of having, say, the bigs all do one drill, you have Jack Cooley working on completely different things from Rudy Gobert because obviously those are very different skill sets that they're going to need to succeed at, at the NBA level. You can tell the team is really investing in right. the team. They, they've, they've 
gone from, you know, step one was kind of picking up the pieces and getting themselves back together. And now they're going to the next level where they're doing really investing in the player development, helping guys get to the next level. And uh, we saw Damari Carroll said some really interesting things this week where when Quinn Snyder was there with the Hawks last year, he credited uh, that time with Quinn Snyder as pushing him to the next level. Now he signs a contract that's almost as big as Gordon Hayward's. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's awesome. Uh, and really, it's such a change from the Kevin O'Connor days, I should say, because back then the Jazz were really kind of a skeleton crew. You know, remember Jerry Sloan would never have more than four assistants, and and even the front office was, you know, you had an assistant GM and and maybe and a scout and a, maybe an international scout, but. Now we're seeing, you know, multiple departments. You've got a department of analytics. You've got a department of of scouting. You've got a department of um, injury prevention and 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 that sort of thing. I mean, it really is kind of a modern perspective of and thinking outside the box. Like, what can we do at the most? And of course, there's no cap on how much you spend on these guys either. So, what can we do that helps our players out? Helps uh, and gives them the biggest chance of of success, kind of regardless with of of cost almost in terms of what they can do. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a fun season. I'm excited for the rest of summer league. I'm excited for the Vegas summer league, excited to see what the jazz can put together, but things are basketball is back. In I Salt Lake City. Yeah. I'm excited. I head down to Vegas on Friday. I'm, ex- I'm disappointed. You won't be down there this time, but cause you're, you're a summer league veteran. I know year. summer league. That's what I felt like this year that, with the league, with summer league back here, that's where I got my start. Like I, my soul resides in summer league. Everything about Salt City Hoop started with summer league. Right. Uh, I mean, and, you you covered the Rocky Mountain Review for Free Darko. Yeah, yeah. That's how I kind of got my start. I, I, uh, I covered the league. It was, uh, it was. I think it was the year that might have been my second year, but uh, Kevin Durant was there, and in that little Cracker Box gym at at at, uh, at Slick. And, uh, I mean, there's just nothing like Summer League. I love everything about it. Yeah, I I do too. Well, one more game in the Utah Jazz Summer League this Thursday. Games at 5 and 7 p.m. Check it out if you haven't already. It's it's definitely an event that you have to see. Uh, And that that really does it for our show. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. The show will be up on SaltCityHoops.com, ESPN700Sports.com, as well as iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, If you want to listen to any part of the show as a podcast, thanks again so much for listening. This is ESPN 700.